You are listening to a bonus episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. I started this podcast because of my love for two of the most interesting pop stars of my time, Jessica and Ashley Simpson. But due to the overwhelming support of my amazing listeners, I have decided to expand to other pop culture topics as well. I'm going to cover any and everything that I am inspired to talk about in the world of entertainment, music, movies, TV, theater, celebrity relationships. You're going to hear it all on the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. Happy Valentine's Day. Today we are going to be talking about one of the most notable celebrity couples of all time that the world has been fascinated with now for 20 solid years. Of course, I'm talking about Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. This is actually part two of our little mini-series on Benifer. The first one was released last month. And it's an hour and a half long episode all about Ben and J-Lo before they got together. And I examined some of the factors that might have contributed to their relationship being as obsessed over as it has been because there's so many famous couples and there were very famous couples that were together around the same time as Benefer, but they were not quite as hounded and they weren't as big a deal, quite frankly. Benefer is one of the most famous, iconic, and infamous couples of all time. So I talked about what contributed to them becoming that because a lot of things had to happen before they got together for them to become so legendary right I mean they were the first celebrity couple that had a blended famous name you know I think a lot of people think it was Brangelina but it was actually Benefer so to hear that entire episode you need to join our fan community over on patreon it's patreon.com slash Ashley and Jessicast. it's five dollars per month and you can cancel online anytime when you join, you're not just going to get the Benefer Part 1 episode. You are going to get so many other bonus episodes. Of course, there's a ton about Jessica and Ashley. You get everything ad-free. You get the main feed public episodes before the public gets them. There's commentaries on there. I always take my patrons' requests and comments and questions before anybody else's. Right now, there's a ton of Jessica and Ashley bonus episodes on there. Like I said, there's the Benefer part one. There's and just like that reviews. What else did I do? There's the Christmas episode on there. I mean, there's so much content. Mailbag episodes. There's so much for $5. I mean, it's it's crazy. And I it really means the world to me to have our fan community on there. So if you would like to join, that would be absolutely amazing. If you want to hear the beginning of the Benefer episode before you decide if you want to join or not, I did post a preview on the main public feed of the Ashley and Jessica cast. So the preview is about 30 minutes and the full episode is 90 minutes. So if you want to join after that, you can hear the full version. 
I posted that preview on January 17th on the main feed. So if you want to go back and find that and listen to that before this one, go ahead. But of course, it's not 100% necessary. It's just really great, I think, to get the full picture of this. And I'm really proud of that episode, so I would love for more people to hear it. This one, though, oh my god, did I do a ton of of research. I actually can't believe how much research I did and how many notes I have. It's a little creepy. Ben, Jen, please don't put a restraining order against me. I promise I mean no harm. I'm not a creep. I just love you. I'm fascinated by you and I know that my listeners want to hear about this as well. We all want to reminisce about the original relationship and then I'm going to talk about over the years things that they said about each other and other things that happened in their lives and then of course them reuniting in 2021 to everyone's surprise and also some of the speculation is this a real relationship is it just for publicity what do you guys think I would love to know I honestly don't have a final verdict in my own mind about it I want to believe so badly that they're just madly in love and they're giving it another try but you know there are a few things that maybe suggest that that is not the case But like Jennifer has said, right now she's on a press tour for her new romantic comedy called Marry Me. And I have not seen it yet because I'm recording this before Valentine's Day, obviously. And it comes out on the 11th, which is two days from now. I'm recording it on the Wednesday before Valentine's Day. And I talked a lot about this in the first Benefer episode that I did as well. She broke down so many barriers starring in these rom-coms because how often do you see a Latina or any woman of color for that matter starring in a rom-com? Very, very rarely. So the fact that she's still on top of the rom-com world, I'm here for it. She even has another one coming out this year. So I think that's awesome. And I don't know. I love I love Jennifer. So I'll be seeing it. I'll let you guys know what I actually think of it. But let's forget about 2022 for now. Let's go back to 2002. So like I said in the first episode, I talked about everything that led up to them getting together and then I talked about a lot of what happened when they were actually together. But now I'm going to go back and break it down a little further. So just to recap, my personal opinion is that Ben and Jennifer did have a relationship before she actually officially ended her marriage to Chris Judd, which is unfortunate, but I don't judge her or Ben for it because life is complicated. Again, I'm not going to repeat all my thoughts because I did get into it in the in Benefer part one, but things moved very, very quickly, right? Because she announced her divorce to Chris Judd in... July of 2002 we started hearing about her and Ben being together in October 2002 and seeing candidates of them and stuff and then they got engaged in November of 2002 so it was all happening very very quickly and yes can people start dating and then two weeks later or whatever get engaged and married yes we've all heard those stories you know people that are like my parents married after knowing each other a month and they've been married for 30 years like I understand that that happens, but Ben and JLo started shooting Gigli in late 2001, and I talked about in Benefer Part 1 also all of the crazy things that Ben did to try to win her over, and if you want to hear about all of that, again, listen to the first part. But my personal opinion is they did start fooling around on the Gigli set or whatever. I think they they had some type of relationship before she was officially broken up from Chris. But I think that it was really hard for her. Like I think that she 
definitely struggled with it. I don't think that she was just like cheating and it was fine and whatever. I think that they had a really strong connection. They did start something up. I think Ben was heavily, heavily pursuing her. And eventually combined factors led to the split of her from Chris Judd. And then they kind of, her and Ben kind of cooled it for a few months. They didn't want to be seen in public together. And so they weren't. And then once it became like October, that's when they felt like enough time had passed that they could be out in public together and they could be known as being together and it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't look bad. It wouldn't look like, oh my gosh, she cheated or oh my gosh, she moved on so quickly with Ben. But even so, a lot of people were saying that. A lot of people were saying, wait, you know, you were married to this one guy, then you were with Puff Daddy and there was all the drama and the arrest at the club and the cheating rumors and all of that. And then you marry your backup dancer and then you break up with him. And a couple months later, you're already engaged to another man. Like, whoa, girl, <laughs> what's going on here? There were a lot of people saying a lot of negative things about her. And again, I got into that a lot in the first episode. That was one of the things I think that really made Benefer explode as far as the press went because she was already known for having these really serious relationships back to back to back to back and it's like you're already engaged to another man like we get it Ben is hot but come on like do you really have to move that fast I think a lot of people were saying so I think for us music lovers and for those of us that are really big Jennifer fans what makes this era of her life so special isn't all of the hoopla and the tabloids and all of that stuff it's the music in my opinion Jennifer Lopez's best album by far came out right around this time that she got engaged to Ben it's called this is me then and the concept of the title is something that Ben actually thought of Jennifer shared that they were talking about the music and the place that she was at in her life and she was playing him some of the songs which are heavily heavily inspired by and about their relationship and she didn't know what to call the album and I think one of the titles was going to be still which she ended up naming a song still and then she ended up naming her second perfume still but Ben suggested the title this is me then because he was saying someday when you have children you can play this album for them and you can say this is me then this is a snapshot of what I was like in my life at this time and I thought that was very insightful of him I think that's key with Ben Affleck is that he has these great ideas like obviously look at him as a writer as a director and I think that that is a very interesting concept of showing someone an album and saying this is me then. The songs on this album are so good. I enjoy literally every single one of them. I think it's by far like I said her best work. The first single off of this album is a little song called Jenny from the Block. And on November 5th, 2002, Jennifer dropped the video for this single, which was, of course, co-starring Ben. The music video is directed by Francis Lawrence, and he actually came up with the concept of it. The concept is really, really cool, and I have to give total credit to Francis Lawrence. He came by and he was just like, I have this great idea, but I have to do it with you. And I'm like, really? I was flattered. I was like, really? Okay, well, what is it? The concept for this video deals with sort of voyeurism. I had thought of this idea quite a long time ago about doing a 
video sort of centered around paparazzi spy camera footage. When I was talking to her, it sort of clicked in my head that it would be perfect for her and really only for somebody like her because her life is so in the eye of the paparazzi and the public. I think for a lot of people, this video right off the bat was already too much because yes, there are all these other factors that contributed to Ben and JLo being so famous at the time, but they also fed a lot into it. Like her choice to include him in this video, I feel like they both thought it was really clever and in some ways it was, but I also think that right off the bat, it invited the public into their relationship and it made people feel more entitled to knowing about their relationship and I think that's why a lot of famous couples do not appear on camera together at all I know for a fact that it's why Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner did not appear on the red carpet together for years into their relationship if you look it up there are very few instances of them appearing anywhere together I mean yes the paparazzi would catch them and stuff but they did not play up the PR element of their relationship at all and I think it's because Ben knew what it had done to his relationship with JLo and he wasn't gonna let that happen again. The video was shot from October 18th to October 20th. Of course there's all these setups and the video is commenting on fame and celebrity and voyeurism. To me, this is peak J-Lo. I mean, this isn't her best song or anything, but I do love this video. I think that it's really tricky when celebrities reference the fact that they're celebrities. I think that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And I think that a lot of press campaigns have celebrities talk about how relatable they are instead of talking about their celebrity. I think that there are so many famous people that kind of pretend I'm just like you and the thing is like yes celebrities are people just like everybody else but their lifestyle is very different and they have privileges that most people don't have it's very strange to think about having a life like Jennifer's you know what I mean it's very very different from your average person but this video was kind of blending both of those concepts right she is pushing the whole I'm just like you thing because that's what the song is about right she's saying I'm still Jenny from the block. I am still that girl from the Bronx that you know and love. I haven't really changed. Now I have all this success and I have all these things, you know, used to have a little, now I have a lot, but I'm still me. And so she is pushing that very common celebrity narrative of, I'm just like you, while at the same time acknowledging I am a superstar. Look how these people follow me. They'll do anything for a photo. They go everywhere that I go. They take a picture of me for the tabloids as I'm sitting at a gas station reading a tabloid with my hot fiance. And it's all very self-referential. It's kind of meta. I think it's a good video. My favorite part of it is probably all the different looks that she has in the video because, you know, she's supposed to be like alone in her hotel room. Then she's on a date with Ben. Then she's doing a photo shoot by the beach. Then they're on a yacht together. Then they're in the pool. And like all of her different looks, the hairstyles, the body, the outfits. I mean, everything is just so mwah, chef's kiss. Like she looks amazing. Ben looks really good in this video too, by the way. And... I just loved her so much during this time. I remember just idolizing her as a child. I just couldn't believe like how powerful and beautiful she was. I just thought it was so amazing. And I was definitely, I mean, I was a kid, so she definitely sold me on the whole thing. Like 
that she was just this normal girl from the Bronx who achieved her dream and maybe I could achieve my dreams too and all of that kind of stuff. I loved the album. I actually would like to do a separate episode on this album because I still listen to this album very regularly and I have over the past 20 years listened to it a lot. But everything she did during this time, Made in Manhattan, I think is by far her best rom-com. I don't think it's her best movie only because I love Selena so much. And I love a bunch of her other movies, but I think that Made in Manhattan is by far like the best rom-com that she's ever done because it it says it has some really meaningful things to say about class while also being just like really funny and being a Cinderella story and being lighthearted. It's also a very meaningful movie. I think it's a very well-rounded movie with great performances from everybody involved and I just love it. So around this time I mean, her and Ben were just, they were everywhere, but especially her. Like, yes, he was famous too. And he had a movie coming, he had Daredevil coming out in in February 2003. Remember, this is November 2002. So he was already kind of leading up to that, that press tour. But she was really just killing it because she had Made in Manhattan coming out in December and then the album coming out in November. So she was just everywhere. She was always on TV. She was always doing some type of appearance and just following her career at this time and following all of her different outfits and looks. Remember, she also had just released her first perfume, Glow, which is still one of my favorite fragrances. And she had her clothing line, J-Lo. I mean, she was really dominating in a way that most celebrities really weren't. She was one of the first celebrities to have a fragrance and clothing line. Now it feels like that's just part of the deal. You become famous, you release a fragrance. But back in the day, it really wasn't like that. I mean, she even released hers a couple years before Britney even did. So it was a really big deal. And the fact that she was a Latina woman doing all of this was even bigger because we all know how rampant racism is in Hollywood. And I talked a lot more about this again in the Benefer part one episode, but it just... It was just very impressive and I will always consider this like the golden era of J-Lo. Not that she hasn't been like as good since then, but this is just when it felt so huge and amazing to me. And I think also because I was a little kid, it just, you know, nothing is as big of a deal as it is when you're a kid. Like you just are very overwhelmed by a lot of the things that you see. Ben proposed to her shortly after the video was recorded and it was announced that they were engaged on November 11th, 2002. Jennifer did a Dateline special with Diane Sawyer and she described the proposal. Are you engaged? Yes. He, you know, took me back to his house, his the house he grew up in. He was like a little nervous, but I didn't I didn't know why and he kept calling and saying, you know, things like, you know, I, you know how much I love you and you know how much I want to spend my life with, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. Like it was a little bit too much during the day. And I was just like, what is going on? You know? <laughs> and then finally we get to the house and we walk in and I see like little candles up the stairs and I'm like, oh, look how cute his mom must have heard that I like candles or something from the tabloids. <laughs> you know what I mean? So she put him up the stairs and that's sweet. And, um, he opens the door and it is just a blanket, a quilt of rose petals all over the whole entire house. And just everything was just so much, so many candles and vases with bouquets and, and my song Glad was playing. And I walk in and I'm just like overwhelmed, like I wasn't expecting it. And I was just like, oh my God. And then I kept thinking, I was like, how did he do this? Because we were in 
Philadelphia working. And I was like, who did this? And he was like, my mom helped me do it. And I just started sobbing. And it was just the most, it was the best day of my life. So we can't talk about this proposal without talking about the motherfucking pink diamond. <laughs> and the reason that I say it that way is because it, this was such a big deal. This is one of those pop culture things that I truly don't think that anyone would be able to understand unless you live through it like I did. And I'm sure a lot of you listening remember it was just made into the biggest deal ever. And now that I look back, I'm like, yeah, they're celebrities, they're rich, they buy big diamonds, they buy fancy things. Like, I'm like, why was it such a big deal? But it really was. It was talked about constantly. It was like very synonymous with Ben and Jen. It was like people would talk about the ring as soon as their names would come up. So this ring was a 6.1 carat Harry Winston masterpiece. Reportedly, he purchased it for $1.2 million, and The Independent reported last year when they got back together that the ring is now worth nearly $12 million. And they said that this is a 1,069% sale increase in the ring's value. And some experts referenced that the increase is due to the popularity of pink diamonds. And what's really funny is that they are the ones who popularized it. Like Ben buying her this ring and it being a part of their iconicness at the time is what made pink diamonds popular. That was one of the reasons why everyone freaked out is because pink diamonds were not very common. So it's like their own fame caused <laughs> a return on their investment. So Jennifer's former publicist told Access Daily that Jennifer still has the ring from her and Ben's former engagement. She says, as far as I know, Jen has never returned the ring. So if things move forward with these two, gosh, she's already got the most beautiful ring I've ever seen. It's absolutely stunning. However, according to People magazine, the ring was reacquired by Harry Winston in 2005, at which point the price was available upon request. So who knows? There are conflicting stories. The hilarious thing is this article in The Independent finishes with them saying, in addition to the pink Harry Winston ring, Lopez has received four other engagement rings. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Get those diamonds, girl. Including an 8.5 carat blue diamond Terry Winston ring from Mark Anthony, which I just think is so funny because you can tell that Mark, you know, male egos, he was like, I gotta top Ben's ring, you know, especially because the marriage to Mark was so soon after she broke up with Ben. He was probably like, look, I gotta lock this down. He got you a six carat ring. I'm gonna get you 8.5. He got you pink. I'm getting you blue, baby. Alex Rodriguez got her an emerald cut ring estimated to be 10 to 15 carats. I mean, Jesus Lord, this woman... Please teach me your ways, J-Lo, okay? I mean, I'm no gold digger, but look, if someone is a Yankee, I'm, I need the 10 to 15 carats too. You know what I'm saying? So Jennifer showed Diane Sawyer the ring in the primetime interview, and she gave some insight as to why Ben chose that ring. It's the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. I still look at it, kind of marvel at it, like... <laughs> you know? And he was like, I just wanted you to have something that nobody else would have. And If you were describing somebody you've never met him, what would be the first thing you'd say? Um, if I had to describe him, I'd probably say that he's an 
brilliantly smart, loving, charming, affectionate, and I just admire him in every way. You know what I mean? I, like, I respect him. Um, I feel like he teaches me things. On November 26th, 2002, This Is Me Then was officially released. It's a very romantic album. Most of the songs, actually, I think all of the songs except for Jenny from The Block are about love and relationships. There is one called Dear Ben. Now, most of the songs are about him and you can very much hear that in all of the lyrics, but to actually name a song Dear Ben, I feel is very, very, very unique. I mean, I think it's rare that musicians even put the names of their spouses in their songs, never mind as the title. A lot of the time it's done more subtly, but you know, Jennifer is a Leo. She is not subtle. So this song, Dear Ben, I actually think it does have a nice beat to it. It's one that I feel like is kind of awkward to listen to. Like it's it's definitely my least favorite song on the album just because it's you you almost feel like you shouldn't be listening to it. Like it's so intimate. I'm just gonna read you some of the lyrics because they're very honest and straightforward they're not it's not like the most artistic song like it's not it there's not really a lot of pretense in this song it just feels like she's literally talking to him and I just think it was such an honest open moment for her even for someone who talks about how open she always has been this was like extra extra open she whispers at the beginning you're perfect and then she sings I just can't control myself I can't be with no one else seems I'm addicted to the way you like to touch me I don't think they understand why I love it your command from the words you speak so deep our bodies meet I have to have you I love you you're perfect a manifestation of my dreams you make my body feel about a million different things and then toward the end of the song she says, I write this song to let you know that you will always be to me my lust, my love, my man, my child, my friend, and my king. Which I don't know, like my child? Like I get the I get the rest. I get my lust, my love, my man, my friend, and my king. But my child? I don't know. That's really like interesting to me. Like I think that's kind of weird to say, but I also I do get it, but it's just kind of like it's different is what I'm saying. And then she has these two songs at the beginning that open the album. The first one is called Still, which is what she originally wanted to title the album, as I said, before Ben suggested This Is Me Then as the title. And then the second song is Loving You. And they're kind of like sister songs because they're basically the same song. It's almost as if she did the same thing that she did with The One. Like it to me, it sounds like these are like two versions of the song because the songs very much go hand in hand and it's about looking back on a relationship and wishing that it worked out and thinking maybe we could give it another try and they, these two are not about Ben which is kind of interesting because of course she couldn't have known this but all these years later she would end up getting back together with Ben the man that she was in love with during the time she wrote this album and she would have these feelings are similar feelings but this song isn't about him because they were in love and together at the time but it later would apply to him so it was kind of like a psychic moment on JLo's part it's really interesting those lyrics go 
all of the good times we had together, do they mean something to you? Do you ever wish we never split? Because I still got love for you. And then the next song, the one that's called Loving You, very, very interesting. The lyrics are again very much like a premonition because she's saying, I can tell the love I have for you is still strong and there ain't nothing wrong with me still loving you. After all we've been through, I find myself still loving you. But I think we need to take this time to get it right because I never gave up on a good thing. I never give up on the love we had. We just need to take it slow. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting because my mom also, she's not a huge fan of JLo's music the way that I am. But I used to play this album over and over again when it originally came out. And my mom always has loved this album, but especially these two first songs. And when she got back together with Ben, my mom was like, oh, we were in the car together. My mom was like, can you put on the, those that song about how like she's still in love? Like, doesn't that remind you of this whole thing? And I was like, yes, that's so funny. Like these songs were so good that they kind of just stuck in her mind and she remembered them after all of these years it's just a really interesting thing and if I were you I would give the album a listen if you like JLo at all because oh my gosh I just I can't tell you how much I love this album I think this vibe is completely the direction that she should go in in the future and it was just a really big high point of her career so one thing that I have always said about Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey is that even though they were the newlyweds and they were on this show together and they were very much known as a couple, Joe Simpson, Jessica's dad and manager at the time, specifically made sure to schedule her for her own appearances, her own tour, her own concerts, her own interviews, more than he scheduled her joint appearances with Nick. And the reason for that is, is because he wanted to establish her as standing on her own two feet and not being part of a duo and I think that this was a brilliant plan even if he didn't know that they were going to split up which maybe he did because he was never really supportive of the pairing to begin with but even if he didn't know that for sure it was very very smart of him to make sure that the public see Jessica as a solo artist and as her own woman and her own performer even though yes JLo was doing a lot of stuff on her own at this time, she was very much bonded to Ben and it seemed like they were everywhere together, even though they both had crazy schedules and they were both super busy. It seemed like they were together every chance that they got. There were always paparazzi pictures together. But then, like I said, just like with the Jenny from the Block video, there were many times where one of them would be doing an interview and the other one would pop in and be on camera with them or the other one would send a quote for the interviewer to read or they would be on the red carpet together. It seemed like they were very much a duo and a pair and I think that that is what contributed to some of the benefit exhaustion that eventually ended up leading to their movies together not doing well and people kind of hating them and rooting against them because it was just a lot and I think that Jennifer's management and Jennifer herself really would have benefited from keeping Ben out of the picture because what would happen is you would just see him pop up everywhere everything that she did had something to do with him even when it didn't have anything to do with him and it shouldn't have had anything to do with him for instance there's this today show appearance from early December 2002 she was doing an interview with Matt Lauer and she was performing on stage some of her new songs and Ben was there with her he was just there to support her which is fine that's what boyfriends should do or fiancés but 
he also appeared on camera and did an interview and was shown there and everything. And I really think that he should have just been there to support her and not have it be about Benefer because this was a big moment for her. She was doing so amazingly well with Made in Manhattan and This Is Me Then, two of the best projects she's ever done in her career. And it's like, oh, let's make it about the guy though. Let's make it about the relationship. I just think that they did take it a little too far as much as I personally enjoyed it because I was into them separately and I was into them as a couple too. I do think that they did kind of make a mistake by overexposing themselves because they did complain a little bit about the press and everything. And you'll see, because I'm going to go through later years, things that they said, but they really did put themselves in that position. And I think that's one of the reasons why I believe that they were truly in love back then because it just seemed like they were saying, ah, oh, fuck it. And they just like, they're like, you know, we're, we're a famous couple and we're going to lean into that. So here is a clip of... Ben on the Today Show with Jennifer. How, how are you handling all the attention, Ben, that's come with not only you personally, but, the, but this relationship? Uh, well, it's a little crazy and it's a little bit more, I think, than I either of us anticipated, but it's all, um, you know, basically good and, and, and most of it seems pretty nice and we're very happy and she's doing great and the album is great and the movie's great and she's happy and so I'm happy and I'm just uh, having a good time. I want to talk to you about some of the things she wrote about you in this album. She dedicated it to you saying that basically it came about because of your support. She wrote lyrics and a song about you so now's your turn and you've got some, a tough act to follow. So what has this relationship meant to you? Well if I were half as, as talented at that songwriting as she is then I would attempt to but uh, obviously uh, she means a great deal to me. I was enormously flattered. and. <laughs> That's right, I'll write a, a screenplay. No, obviously, I, I'm very happy, and she's great. And as all you can see, um, what an incredible, wonderful talent, and what a wonderful woman in person. So um, I was just here as a fan and very excited, and I had a wonderful time. They continued to speak about each other in tons of interviews. Jennifer talked more about the origins of their relationship in Reader's Digest when they asked her, how did you and Ben fall in love? She said, we met on the set of Gigli. I was with my husband, Chris, at the time. Because I was married, it removed that element. There was no illusion that Ben and I were going to go anywhere, so we just became friends. I'm a very faithful person. If somebody had told me Ben's attracted to you, I would have said no. I wasn't raised that way. And they said, to be unfaithful to your husband, you mean? And she said, yes. Chris and I were having problems, but that's one thing Ben and I never talked about. I felt it was too private and sacred. To talk about that with another man wouldn't have been cool. So we talked about past relationships and his old girlfriends and crazy things he did and silly things I did. After the movie, we kept in touch. Then I told Ben I couldn't talk to him because by then Chris and I were separated and I didn't want anything to be misconstrued. He respected it and never called me. Then I called him. It made a huge difference. He knew that if he was ever involved with me, I would never do it to him. I think that that's a very relevant thing. If somebody cheats on their spouse with you, then when you get with them, I don't know, I feel like you're always going to say to yourself, well, they cheated on this other person. What makes me so special that they're not going to cheat on me? But I think also you can kind of delude yourself into thinking, well, I am special. Like that guy was the wrong guy and I'm the right guy. And that's why she cheated, but she would never do that again, you know? So nobody will ever know what really happened. They then went on to say to her, which I thought this was kind of out of line for Reader's Digest to ask. You've been married twice for a little more than a year each time. What makes you think this one is going to be different? Jennifer said, I thought I learned it the first time, but went and did it again a second time. Jumped into something without examining it. 
I think women crave stability more than men. We're nesters. I really was craving stability. And then you find a wonderful person who's good to you. But it's so many other things that make a marriage work. They said, such as. And she replied, communication, understanding, being in the same dynamic. The first time, we never even thought about all those things. And all of a sudden, I realized I had this responsibility. We had this house. He wasn't working. I thought, I'm my father. I remembered that pained look on his face about supporting his family, making sure his girls were okay. I felt like that. What if I didn't work next month? Which is really interesting. I never... I never thought about that before. Like, that's crazy. So then they asked her, you and Ben both have careers. You're more equals. Are you working harder at the relationship? She says, yes, we talk about everything. Just that brutal honesty. I'm scared of this. This worries me. And when you do that, nothing is left to chance. I've done this two times before. It's not a fear of doing the wrong thing again. I won't make that mistake because it's devastating, not just to other people, to yourself, even if you're the one who wants out. So I think this is probably why she she didn't go through with the marriage with Ben, which we'll get to the separation and all of that. I think that these marriages and divorces and all of this turmoil was a lot harder on her than she would ever let anybody know about. I think that people just kind of thought that she was just flighty and flaky and was going from man to man willy-nilly, but I don't think it was like that for her. Especially with the Puerto Rican upbringing and the emphasis on family and all of that, it, I, it could not have been easy for her to be going through breakup after breakup. And still, I mean, when she and A-Rod broke up, I felt so bad for her. I really did because she's always been on this quest for love and that's always been part of her narrative. And to have another long monogamous relationship break off, it just was really sad because it's kind of like, look at her, she's the girl who has everything, but she can't figure out this one element of life that she's expressed as the most important element to her. And I think that's another reason why it is so awesome to see her back with Ben now because it's like, she's found, like she's finally gonna get it right this time, which time will tell, right, what happens between them, but it just makes for this really perfect narrative. So Diane Sawyer asked her a similar question. How was she sure that this was going to be different. What is different about her relationship with Ben? You want to know how I feel, so I'll tell you. What I knew that was different this time is that I was just more scared. More scared. It was too powerful, and it was too this, and it just made me really... Whereas before, it was almost like I had control of the things. So I wasn't afraid to kind of be in there and in the fire, and the fire was far enough away that I can dance around in there, and this time, it was just smothering me, and so hot, you know, that it was just like, made me afraid. Bigger. Bigger, Bigger and realer, and you just, you just feel it. It's just something different. It's a different, totally different than anything else you've ever experienced. And I really like that explanation of how she felt it was different because of obviously there's all different kinds of relationships but I think that a lot of people are in relationships that are real and solid and everything but they don't have that deep passionate connection that bond that thing that feels like soulmates or whatever you want to call it where you're just from the depths of your soul you are just so passionately madly in love and committed and devoted and you can't live without them there is a deeper realer connection that's out there and I think some people really go through their whole lives without experiencing it because I think a lot of people marry people that yes they're genuinely in love with and I don't want to take anything away from those relationships but it's not that 
can't eat, can't sleep, reach for the stars, over the fence, World Series kind of love, as they say in It Takes Two. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just a deeper thing there. And I think that it's very easy for me to believe that she had two marriages in a relationship with P. Diddy and whatever other relationships that she had where yeah like they had strong feelings for each other and they were in love and they got along and they were a good couple and they maybe had good sex and everything but it wasn't the deep connection that she felt with Ben and I think that also explains her leaving her marriage to Chris to be with him because once you feel that deep passion for somebody you're never going to stay in a relationship that doesn't have that deep connection once you feel that that realness that she's describing that being in the fire that's the perfect way to describe it as you can tell i've experienced this fire myself once you've experienced that you're never gonna you're you, you don't want anything less than that and I think that it really wouldn't have done anybody any favors for her to stay in that marriage. It made sense to go be with the person you really want to be with because at the same time, you don't want to be laying in bed next to Chris Judd thinking about Ben. That's doing a disservice to him, right? It's like who wants a wife that's wishing they were with someone else? Me personally, if I had a husband and he met somebody else on set or whatever at his job, you know, and fell for them, I would want him to leave me. I would want him to be honest with me rather than just saying, oh, okay, I should stay with my wife because it's the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. No, I would never want someone laying next to me craving somebody else. I only want to be with someone if they have that fire for me and I have it for them. So I totally relate to what she's saying here. So Dateline NBC had reached out to Ben Affleck to make a statement about Jennifer for her Dateline special. Again, it's her special, but he has to be involved. And he sent an email saying, I consider myself the luckiest man alive for reasons which should be plainly self-evident hearing Jen speak for a minute, much less an hour. Her new movie is extraordinary and her album is a wonderful reflection of who Jennifer really is. A truly graceful beauty with an artist's soul who has made me an extremely happy man. It was all just so cheesy and romantic. It was so, and for me, again, being a kid, like being a little girl and being like, oh my God, they're so in love. Ben is so romantic. Like uh, hearing this stuff, I was just, uh, I completely bought into it all. I was very fascinated by them. Jennifer also spoke to Matt Lauer about how her relationship with Ben changed her. It's changed me. It's like when you really feel like you have a partner, you know what I mean? Somebody standing by your side who supports you, who understands what you're going through and is your best friend. And that, that has a value, especially when you're in this business that is priceless. And it's just, uh, he's been very inspirational to me um, in my music. Jennifer was on the cover of Harper's Bazaar in December 2002. They actually called Kevin Smith for a quote, which again, this is Jennifer's big Harper's Bazaar cover and they're calling Kevin Smith. I am a huge Kevin Smith fan and his movies really mean a lot to me, including Jersey Girl, the movie that Ben and Jennifer were working on when they were a couple. Kevin and Ben have been best friends since they did the movie Mall Rats together. They then did Chasing Amy together. Kevin was a huge part of the reason why Goodwill Hunting got made. He was actually kind of upset with Ben and Matt for not thanking him in the Oscar speech. He said, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, but it really would have meant a lot to him because Kevin had more clout than Ben at the time. Interesting to think about, but yeah. Then they did the movie Dogma together, and then of course they did Jersey Girl. Kevin Smith 
has always been a huge champion of their relationship. He has stood up for them so many times. And if you listen to the Jersey Girl commentary on the DVD, it's really interesting because Kevin, he talks about how it's crazy how everything ended up turning out and people turned against them so much because they were so purely in love on the set and that he had never seen Ben happier and he couldn't believe how in love they were. And this quote that he gave to Harper's Bazaar is definitely in line with that. He says, They have sick, insane, dripping chemistry both on and off screen. They're in that kind of love that's so contagious it makes a guy want to go home and be a better husband. Jennifer compliments him really well. The guy's always been a pretty together cat, but never more so than now. As for Jennifer and Ben's future together, Smith predicts a long and happy one. Ben and Jen also posed together in some very glamorous pictures for this magazine. They're even kissing in one of the pictures. And once again, it just feels like, come on guys, if you're so annoyed with the paparazzi hounding you and the overwhelming media attention, why are you kissing in Harper's Bazaar together? Like this is Jennifer's interview. Jennifer is the one with the movie and the album out. Let it be Jennifer's. She did another interview in Parade Magazine to promote Made in Manhattan. Does anyone remember Parade? The really thin paper magazine that would come in your newspaper? When asked about Ben, she says, People don't know how wonderful a person he is, how brilliant, intelligent, and how very loving. And I'm motherly. Ben calls me Ma. <laughs> kind of interesting that he calls her Ma and then in that song Dear Ben she refers to him as her child interesting dynamic I would never have called my boyfriend my child uh, and I wouldn't have wanted him to call me Ma but you know we all we all we're all different so <laughs> So Ben Affleck did this huge interview in Vanity Fair in 2003 and he talked a lot about Jennifer. She was a big part of the article. Similar to all of her interviews where he needed to be involved, this is his big feature and she needs to be one of the major topics that they talk about. So Vanity Fair describes Jennifer as ravenously ambitious and suggests that if Ben wanted to maintain a lower profile, that she's probably the last woman on earth that he should be with. And he said, that occurred to me. Why did I fall in love with this person? What does that say about me? Maybe I am conflicted, but I also have a contrary streak. I said, just because I'm in this situation, I'm not going to behave any differently than I ever did. Jennifer is a really wonderful, fabulous woman, smart and interesting. Spending time with her makes me a better person and a happier person. She impresses me every day. It feels better to me to be with her than be without her. That's why I made this decision, even if some other things have to be sacrificed. Again, I can't tell you how much I relate to that. Like I was in a relationship that had, that had so many problems, but I always would say to myself, ultimately, I feel better being with this person than being without them. So even with the negative aspects of the relationship, I feel like it's worth it if I get to feel this love. It was nothing like <laughs> being with the most famous woman on planet earth, but I still, you know, I get the sentiment. So Vanity Fair is saying basically like, okay, we get it, but why propose so quickly months before she even got a divorce decree to dispatch her most recent husband, which is just a fancy way of saying that their divorce was not even final when Ben proposed. There were a million reasons not to, he said. Neither of us is so obtuse that we didn't understand the degree of skepticism 
system, the amount of sniggering, and how the joke would be received. Saturday Night Live epitomized it. Tina Fey said, Jennifer Lopez announced her engagement. It's the first marriage for Affleck, the third for Lopez, and the last for neither. But that's not something I want to allow to dictate how I make choices. This is something I would do if Jen was a teacher and I was working construction in Boston. I can completely see a parallel universe, by the way, where Ben works construction in Boston, but I digress. <laughs> Jen and I want to get married for the reason everyone else does. We fell in love. I'm in love. I want to have a family. And she's the only person I've ever met who made me entertain the thought of doing that. Ouch. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow probably didn't love that comment. You know within 10 minutes of meeting Jen that she'll be a good mother. Though the heavens fall, she'll be a good mother. That's dramatic. He said, my father said the same thing about my mother, who was a world-class Olympian mother. So in the first episode, I talked about all the ways that Ben was pursuing Jennifer and publicly as well. And one of the things that he did was take out a full page ad in Variety. <laughs> this was when she was still married, not even separated. And listen to the first episode if you want to hear what he said in this full page ad. But Vanity Fair asked him about that and he said Jen had developed this reputation as a diva and a pain in the ass and I had trepidations about it frankly I wanted to go on record within the industry to counteract that to say what a pleasure it was to work with her she works harder than anybody I've ever seen I thought I was busy with movies and television and writing I felt pretty maxed out until I met her she was doing all that and recording albums on the weekends the article says but Lopez was also married to Chris Judd the backup dancer she wed on the rebound from her stormy relationship with Sean Puffy Combs when I met her we became really 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 good friends Affleck explains but at first because she was married there was no thought of a romantic relationship so that created the opportunity to get to know each other without any of the falseness that goes with courtship because you're trying to make a good impression I didn't try to change anything about myself and she didn't either we became really good friends in a way that was very comfortable although Judd's father has claimed that Ben and Jennifer got involved while she was still with Chris Affleck says firmly that is absolutely not true it goes against the fundamental code I believe in and live by being honest doing things with which I can live rather than being ashamed of. Deliberately and consciously trying to live like that made me happier because I feel very comfortable and good about where I am and the decisions that I'm making. The very idea of hiding or misrepresenting anything I'm doing makes me feel really uncomfortable. And that's not something that's in Jennifer's character either. Both of us wanted to err on the side of doing the right thing. I believe that more or less from the beginning of a relationship, you have an accurate sense of how far it could go, what the possibilities are, Affleck said. With Jen, I thought even though it can never happen it was nice for me to know I was capable of feeling that way that I could love somebody in a way where what I really wanted was for them to be happy even more than I wanted what I wanted that was a new experience for me now that's very sweet who knows what really happened but I just think that the concept of him like longing for her and being in love with her and not being able to be with her I do think that that happened like I think she did cheat with him but then she told him look I'm married I have to try to make my marriage work so I'm sorry this can't happen and then that was the point where he experienced this and it got really hard for him because he had all these feelings for her and really wanted to be with her but she felt obligated to try to make her marriage work and I think she felt bad for cheating and so there was this push-pull there and then that's when she he showed up to the Madres opening and gave her the flowers in front of Chris and all of that. Ben says that he could tell that Jennifer wasn't happy in her marriage but that she remained discreet. 
I got the sense that she thought it would have been inappropriate to do much bad-mouthing of her situation. He says, we would hang out, but I talked about me all the time. Enough about you. I was vaguely aware she had something going on, but I was too busy running my mouth. He flashes a gleeful grin. Affleck always seems happiest when the joke is on him. It changed when she told me she was getting separated. At that point, it became a possibility and doors were opened. So I think it's interesting, right? Because even if they didn't actually consummate their relationship, even if she didn't literally cheat on Chris, they were clearly in contact. And I think when you really have a deep connection and bond with somebody, even if you're not physically cheating, you're emotionally cheating. And it just, I mean, for me, it's really hard to look down on somebody for leaving their husband for another person when you can't really help emotionally cheating. You know what I mean? If you're on a movie set with someone and you're signed on, you're contracted to do that movie and you fall in love with them in that process, it's not really your fault. Like, it's your fault how you act on it, you know, and you can choose to act or not, but it's just not the same kind of cheating to me as like, if you get on a dating app when you're in a relationship and purposefully find someone else or if you're at a bar with your buddies and you see a hot girl and you start dating her like that to me is not the same kind of cheating as this you know it's like what are you supposed to do you have to be with this person for hours upon hours every single day and you fall in love with them you know it, I just I have a lot of empathy for this kind of situation because I think that this kind of stuff happens all the time and I think that it makes perfect sense honestly that even if they didn't physically cheat they were emotionally cheating and that's really the worst of it right I mean I think most people would say that they would rather have their spouse just sleep with someone and have it not mean anything than fall deeply in love with someone over the period of a movie shoot and not be able to stay away from them after that so this was a couple months before Gigli came out but the head of Revolution Studios which was the distributor of Gigli his name was Joe Roth and he said, part of the fun of watching Gigli is deciding when and where they started falling in love. So more on Gigli a little bit later, of course. Then they go on to ask Ben about all the craziness. He says, yes, I'm in the middle of a media carnival. He talks about how he had already experienced some of this in his relationship with Gwyneth, but this is an escalation of that. He says, I promise you that our life together doesn't warrant it. We watch movies, we sit at home, we go out to dinner. It's more or less what everyone else does, which I think is funny because like, <laughs> again, he's pushing this narrative of like, we're just like everybody else, but you're not just like everybody else because he proposed with a 6.1 carat pink diamond. So like, yeah, you can say, oh, we just go to the movies and hang out and stuff, but there are elements of it that do make it more fascinating than, you know, your friend down the streets relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not everyone proposes with a pink diamond that just made everybody go crazy. And then he goes on to say like, hey, there's a war going on. There's all of this other, you know, he mentions some other stuff in the news and he's like, yeah, we're getting married, but who cares? He says, because of the degree to which it's been discussed, it has to have to do with something deeper than just two actors who are romantically involved. Because how interesting is that really? It is interesting. I mean, it is like, let's just face it. let's be honest it's interesting that has a shelf life of about two weeks I think it has to do with race and class and the fact that I'm white and she's Puerto Rican that's what's underneath it although nobody says it because it's not politically correct and I agree with him to a certain extent I mean like I said I examined in the first episode more of what I thought made them so talked about and then in this next section I don't really love some of the stuff that he says here but basically here's what it says although Lopez flaunts her sexuality at every turn 
turn, Affleck claims that her sizzling image is misleading. Jen has had fewer boyfriends than your average high school junior, he says. In the physical sense, she's extremely chaste. She's had a much simpler, more easily explainable, and more clean romantic history than I have. She can tell the whole story in 15 minutes where I always preface the whole story with, it was complicated. I think this also has to do with race. There's a kind of language that's used about her, the spicy Latina, the temptuous diva. She's characterized as oversexed. I mean, the woman's had five boyfriends in her whole life. She's a deeply misunderstood woman, in my opinion. I get that he is trying to like stick up for her here, and I love that part of it. But I hate any time a man is like really happy that he's with a woman who's chaste in Ben's terminology. He just seems a little too proud of the fact that she hasn't slept with a lot of different men. I don't think that how many men your fiance has been with should be a point of pride for you. Her chastity shouldn't be a point of pride for you. I get that he's trying to stand up for her, but it would be better if he just talked about in general how women are vilified for sleeping around or being sexual or having a lot of husbands, having a lot of boyfriends, and men are celebrated for the same exact thing. You know, it's like Christina says, a guy gets all the glory the more he can score while the girl can do the same and yet you call her a whore. If Ben was the one who had had two marriages and famous serious relationships and stuff there wouldn't have been the same comments so it would have been better if he pointed that out rather than say well hey I know she looks sexy on screen but she actually doesn't have a lot of sex I'm one of the very few men who's gotten to experience her so I'm proud about that you know what I mean like that's what it's coming off as and it's a little too misogynistic for me Ben come on what if she had been with a lot more men than just five? What if she had been with 10 men or 20 men? You know, would that make her less worthy of you in her eyes? I, I don't know. It just, I don't, I don't, I just don't feel like it's necessary at all to talk about how many men that she's been with, especially with her not there to say her piece about it. I don't know. It just, it, it's, it's just, it's giving misogyny and we don't want that. So now we get to the promotion of Gigli, which happened throughout most of July in 2003. And by this point, people were really tired of Benefer. They had just been everywhere for like eight months at that point. And the narrative had moved from a positive fascination to more of a negative. And like I said, there was always negative feelings toward them. But I feel like at the beginning, it was more positive than negative. And then as the time went on over the course of 2003, it got more negative and like, all right, all right, enough already with these two. Because like I said, they would pop up in each other's interviews and everything all the time. And it was just like, okay, we get it. And so they start promoting Gili and they do this joint primetime special, which is just so ridiculous, especially for two people who claim that they're all about the artistic side of things. And they are. Like, I think that they both are artists, but I think they also both really, really enjoy the fame and the publicity side of it. So if you're gonna complain about the paparazzi showing up and photographing your every move, why are you doing a Dateline joint primetime special? And I'm sure their managers, publicists, whatever, talk them into it. And I'm sure it made sense somehow in their minds at the time. But for me, the problem with the special is not the fact that they did it and it was a silly move. 
but it's the fact that the special isn't really very special at all. Like I said, at this point, people were tired of them and we had already heard everything that they talked about in the special. There was nothing revealed. There was no intriguing information that we hadn't already heard about in several interviews. You know, it was like how they met on the set of Gigli and they were just friends but then they fell in love and you know they have similar backgrounds in the ring and when's the wedding blah 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 watching a special back for this episode I was actually kind of bored during it which is like crazy because obviously I'm sitting here doing this long ass podcast about their relationship I'm clearly very interested but it just wasn't that intriguing there was really nothing that set it apart from any of the other dozens of interviews and appearances that they had done. The one scene that I actually like is when Jennifer is in the kitchen. She's wearing one of her J-Lo velour sweatsuits, looking fabulous, and she's cooking and she's talking about how she's a traditional woman in a lot of ways and she loves to cook for him all the time and she's cooking a traditional Puerto Rican meal and then he comes in and tries it and says thank you and gives her a kiss and Pat O'Brien asks you know is he going to do the dishes is to see the dishes she's joking about how you know she's like I don't think I've ever seen you do a single dish and, and all of that there was also a article and cover story that Jennifer did in Vibe magazine also in July of 2003 they wrote Jennifer Lopez serves her man like a good Puerto Rican woman. Her fiancé, Ben Affleck, has just arrived home from work and now sits at the kitchen table as Lopez fixes his dinner plate. Although it's obvious she's done this a thousand times, Affleck still watches in awe. The reformed playboy has never had it this good. Most Hollywood starlets don't even look like they eat, much less know their way around a kitchen. You didn't need already, right? Lopez asks accusingly. No, I swear. Really, says Affleck. When they're both home in L.A., Lopez expects them to eat dinner together and would be disappointed if they didn't. She flashes a sweet smile as she sets the plate of chicken and vegetables with rice in front of him. In Latino culture, women are raised to take care of their men. It's why Lopez always greets Affleck as if she hasn't seen him in weeks, why she'd rather spend all her free time with him, and probably one reason why this doting woman has had several marriage proposals. The idea of J-Lo as domestic wifey isn't what you'd expect if you believed everything written about her in the tabloids. Jen doesn't allow her behavior to be dictated by anything other than how she truly feels. It makes her happy to get me some food so she does it, says Affleck between bites. I've had girlfriends who are Latina, some black, others white, but I've never been with anyone like Jen who makes it a priority, deliberately goes out of her way to ensure the person she's with is happy. Affleck is whipped, some say. He's under some kind of booty spell, they whisper. Okay. Five minutes around these lovebirds, however, will make believers of even the J-Lo matrimony skeptics. Their relationship looks like it has forever stamped all over it. But hold up, could this really be? You wonder. Lopez wasn't even divorced when she accepted blah 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 blah, the ring. I find it interesting that she even had the time to cook for him. Like she was, <laughs> at this time she was doing movies, she was doing albums, music videos, promotion. I mean, how did she have time to actually cook dinner for him? Like, I find that very impressive. Uh, get, I mean, I want to second what they said, which is like, yeah, I'm not surprised she's been proposed to so many times because <laughs> she seems so devoted. Later on in the article, it says, when Lopez visits Affleck's trailer on the set 
of his new film, Surviving Christmas, all they do is snuggle. I think it's hilarious how famous Ben was at this time and he was doing Surviving Christmas, which isn't the worst movie. I mean, it has James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara, Christina Applegate. It's a great cast and everything. It's just a nice Christmas movie. It's nothing special, but you would think that he would be making something more significant around this time. Like, what was his agent doing? It says, it's clear that the relationship contributes to Lopez's calm demeanor. Still, her track record keeps onlookers from believing in the Ben and Jen story. Like I said, there was a lot of negativity surrounding this relationship. So she talks about Chris Judd and she says, it's easy to say in retrospect, but I look back and see I was in no shape to make any type of lifetime decision. I just didn't realize it in the moment. I was in this relationship with Puff where I was totally crying crazy and going nuts and it really took my life in a whole tailspin. Here comes Chris and he's like an angel. So my friends are like, yes, maybe it's a little fast, but they were thrilled to see me smiling. After my first divorce, I wasn't trying to be exclusive with anybody, but Puff came at me hard, she said. He said he looked at me and fell in love and that made me love him too. We started a very tumultuous affair because it was the first time I was with somebody who wasn't faithful. So there you go. I had, I didn't even know before I read this article that it was confirmed that Puffy cheated on, I guess, Kim. Was he with Kim at the time? I don't remember who he was with, but he cheated. When asked about the tales of Lopez hunting down Puff, knocking down hotel doors, she smiles. I can't remember right now, but I won't say it didn't happen, she says laughing. We were young and in love, and I think it's funny to talk about now. They weren't that young, by the way. Like, she's acting like they were 16. They were in their late 20s, early 30s, right? He'd say he was going to a club for a couple of hours, and then he'd never come back that night. Yeah, how dare you treat Jennifer like that? I mean, God, I hate men. Seriously, I'm not trying to be negative. I know it's Valentine's Day, but Jesus, men. I mean, for me, the first time a guy did something like that, I'd be out. Like, I'd just be like, peace. I don't I don't need that shit. Lopez says she broke up with Puff so many times he didn't believe it was over when it finally ended. Girl, have I been there. Although he did propose to her, she just couldn't accept. I had to think, do I want to be home with the kids in 10 years wondering where somebody is at at 3 in the morning? Hell no, girlfriend. Oh my god. If Ben cheats on her this time, I will literally... I mean, I know they might not even be together for real, but if they are <laughs> and he cheats on her, I will literally... Oh my god, I can't. Coming out of a torrid relationship, I met this sweet person who's so refreshing. She says quietly, that's Chris. But marriage is not just about love. I thought I learned that in my first marriage, but I hadn't learned the lesson in my second one. I loved Chris, still love him. He's one of the best people. This wasn't an easy thing to walk away from, but we didn't have what it takes to make a marriage work. I mean, can you believe all this personal shit that she's sharing in these articles? Like, I love the girl, but come on. You know, like, this is why there's such a fascination with you is because you keep feeding this information and then people just want more and more. So this article is actually great. I had never read this before doing research for this episode. And this ties into what I was saying before that I do think it was really hard for her to leave Chris for Ben. I don't think it was just like, woohoo, I've fallen in love with a new guy. I think it was really brutal. And here she says, I have such respect for the institution of marriage that I don't believe people should spend their lives together if they're not going to be totally happy. 
Do we spend time now trying to make it work and wasting precious moments of our lives or do we remedy the situation and move on? Chris knows that the last thing I ever, ever, ever in this fucking world wanted to do was hurt him. If I have one regret in life, it would probably be that. She says, fighting back tears, her voice cracking. I don't recommend it for anyone else, but those were my lessons. Girl, her voice cracking. I mean, yes, this could be all PR bullshit, but... I don't think so. It feels real to me. So it says Ben Affleck enjoyed the meal and they have four dogs, Hutch, Angel, Boots, and Raina, the Chihuahua, a gift from Puffy, are roaming around. I had no idea they had so many dogs. Oh, that's cute. Lopez relishes moments like these. It's nice when somebody is on your level where nobody's trying to play catch up with anybody else. Ben's like Jennifer, generous to a fault, says Guadalupe. That is Jennifer's mother. She's never been particularly fond of her daughter's boyfriends, it says. <laughs> I immediately knew I was going to love him. I thank God every day that he brought Ben into her life. He's her angel and she's his angel. And then he talks again about how J-Lo's like slept with hardly any people. Like, give it a rest, Ben. It says, this woman has been with like five guys her whole life, says Affleck. Why do you have to talk in a magazine about how many guys she's been with? If my fiance did that, I would slap him across the face. That's actually a track record not average of most adult women. There aren't many virgins in their 30s, but Jen is about as closely as that as you're likely to find, certainly in Hollywood. Who cares? Who cares if she slept with 100 men? You should love her just the same. However, the most impressive thing Affleck finds about his bride-to-be is how she didn't have a bad thing to say about anybody. I thought it was bullshit for a long time. I thought she was just being diplomatic, he says. But she showed me that you can construct your own reality and live in a world that isn't full of ugliness no matter what people say about you. The way Jen lives seemed incredibly appealing to me. Like, I want to be like that too. That's, that's a very nice sentiment, actually. So we can forgive the talking about how she's basically a virgin, which... Come on. I mean, I'm not saying she slept around, but like she's not like, why are you talking about it's hard to find a virgin in their 30s? Jesus. The article finishes with her saying, what makes me the most happy right now is my relationship with Ben. It provides me with the stability that I've been craving for a long time. I'm the kind of person that likes safety. Although I love performing, love that interaction. That's not just it for me. Curled up under Ben's arm. That's my favorite place. And you know, that's a really powerful statement for someone who is so career driven and has accomplished so much and has continued to accomplish so much in the 20 years since. That's why I think it's actually so interesting to read these old articles because you know everything that they've done and experienced since. So it's, it's just a deeper insight into all of it. So Gili was released on August 1st, 2003. This was another thing that culturally, it's it's hard to explain what a meteor hitting the earth this was in terms of just god-awful mocking and pointing and laughing at these two. Because yes, some people did celebrate them as a couple, but a lot of other people, you know, there was like this air of jealousy about it like how dare you two be so rich so good looking so successful so beautiful so perfect and on top of it so in love people want to see flaws and they want to point out negative things when they see you on top this movie not being so good just gave the world the ammunition that it needed to take them down several pegs now 
Gigli was directed by Martin Brest, who's an Academy Award nominee. He had great hit movies like Beverly Hills Cop, Scent of a Woman, Midnight Run, and more under his belt. And he never directed another movie after Gigli, which I think is really sad. The total cost of production on this movie was $75.6 million. Ben got paid $12.5 million and J-Lo got $12 million, which, why the disparity? Like, fuck that. They were co-stars. They should have gotten the same amount. The opening weekend was $3.8 million and the total gross was $7.2 million. So this lost <laughs> over $70 million for this studio and production company, which is insane. This killed their careers for a while. It really did. I mean, Jersey Girl didn't make things any better, but I think even without Jersey Girl, this really messed them up for a while. I mean, nobody cared about their films after this for a long time. It took Ben disappearing and then becoming a director in order to be taken seriously again as a director, a writer, producer, and actor in Hollywood. Of course, I talked about a lot of this in episode one, so I'm not going to get into their post-relationship careers too much. But Jennifer, I feel like, was not taken seriously in movies again pretty much until Hustlers. Like, in general, she wasn't taken seriously. She just, I mean, they both took a huge hit, but I think her being a woman and being a Latina woman at the same time, again, Hollywood is so racist. I think that it was almost impossible for them to have the comebacks that they've had and for them to be doing as well as they're doing now. I can't stress enough how much of a joke they became. So then, of course, the relationship starts to go downhill. Also in August 2003, it was reported that Ben went to a risque bar with Christian Slater, which like, <laughs> I mean, if anyone else is old enough to know about like the stories that have been going around Hollywood about Christian Slater for many years, it's like, dude, I don't know if that's who you want to be hanging out with when you're about to walk down the aisle, but I digress. Ben claims, I did have the common sense to call Jennifer and say, I'm going to this place. It's kind of wacky. I told her it was a strip bar. She said she was cool with it. But then after the night happened, Jennifer was like, okay, that was your bachelor party. Hope you enjoyed it. Like you're not having another one, basically. And the crazy thing is that after this happened, Ben went on Jay Leno and talked about it. Like that's where this quote came from. So they were literally living in this world where it was normal that if they have something happen in their relationship where he goes out to a strip club and Jennifer isn't happy about it and then it gets reported on, like one of them has to talk about it on TV. It's so weird. Like, why didn't they just say, I'm, we're not talking about it? Like, why didn't they just completely ignore it? You know what I mean? Like, yes, it was reported, but they there's tons of shit reported. They could have just pretended it never happened or whatever. Like, I don't know what the strategy was here to let everybody in on their issues there was one dancer who claimed that Affleck gave them all very large tips and told them to keep all of this just between us one of the dancers said it's a night I'll never forget and I'm sure one he'll never want to forget he had this little boy look on his face she claimed he kissed her while his hands were moving all over my body she also alleged that he did the same with another dancer called Felicia she further claimed that actor Christian Slater then invited them all back to his house. One of the girls removed his shirt. His hands were all over two girls at the same time. However, Antonella Santini, who is 
Felicia, who this other dancer was talking about, filed a libel and slander suit against the National Enquirer claiming that the story was false. She alleged that the other dancer was paid $100,000 by the tabloid for a fabricated version of events. So that's interesting because Ben confirmed that this evening happened on Jay Leno, but he vehemently denied the story from the dancers. However, the first dancer, not Felicia, but the other one, passed polygraph tests, apparently, saying that this really did happen. However, she's not claiming that, like, they slept together. So while it's still gross and definitely cheating for him to be, like, kissing strippers and putting his hands all over them, I feel like if she was going to lie, she would say that they slept together, right? Like, wouldn't the Inquirer want the juiciest story possible? So... I don't know, I tend to believe it because Ben has had issues with drinking and gambling and stuff, and if he is drunk at a strip club, I could totally see him putting his hands all over a girl and kissing them, even if he really didn't want to cheat on J-Lo and had no intention of cheating on J-Lo, like, these things happen. But then again, this other dancer came forward and said, hey, none of this happened, it's all bullshit. So really, who knows? But there were multiple other reports of Ben having these wild nights, and Jennifer being super focused on her work and being very much a straight edge kind of woman not into drinking not into doing drugs not into gambling not into staying out late and Jennifer's always maintained that like I said I'm a fan of her so I you know read and listen to her interviews pretty regularly and she's always said that like when people ask her you know what do you do to stay so looking so young and beautiful and how do you keep your body so nice and everything and she's like I really get my sleep I go to bed early I've never been into drugs smoking or drinking I get my exercise and I really believe it because look how young and beautiful she looks and look how amazing her body looks and it doesn't look like she's had plastic surgery like her face isn't frozen or puffy or anything like that I really do think that she is naturally looking that young I mean yeah I'm sure she's had a little bit of work done but obviously nothing serious or you'd be able to tell so I think they just had very different lifestyles And I think that Ben was having a problem at the time with alcohol, a problem that continued even beyond his divorce from Jennifer Garner. So their wedding was scheduled for September 14th, 2003, and they called it off a few days before and said, due to the excessive media attention surrounding our wedding, we have decided to postpone the date. When we found ourselves seriously contemplating hiring three separate decoy brides at three different locations, we realized something was awry. We began to feel that the spirit of what should have been the happiest day of our lives could be compromised. We felt what should have been a joyful and sacred day could be spoiled for us, our families, and our friends. Honestly, I kind of think that's BS. I think that they were having problems at the time and that's why they didn't get married. The main reason that I think this is because in the Pat O'Brien Dateline joint special that they did together, Jennifer said the following about this and I'm going to play the clip for you. You two guys getting married with the helicopters and the paparazzi and the picture. I think, I think this is the thing that bums me out because it seems like they'd be so loud. I've never been to a salon. I think they do the helicopters when you're trying to hide and nobody can get close or anything. And I think one of the things that we're not going to do, or I, and maybe I should have discussed this with you, <laughs> is that... <laughs> is that... Tell me, what are we No, I think, I think a smart thing would to, to do would be like to not make it the biggest... The se- no, it's oh. not to make it the biggest secret in the world. You know oh. what I mean? If, if people want to be outside and they want to take our picture, then okay. You know, we're not going to, you know, be with 24 well, million security guards at our wedding. We, we want to just be like, 
have a nice wedding. We want to have, have it be a beautiful yeah. day about what it's about. And if there happen to be cameras outside, then that's fine. You know, we're not going to obsess over that. So yeah, they had already been anticipating that it was going to be a complete zoo at their wedding. And she was saying, look, if people want to take our picture, that's totally fine. And by the way, I'm sure it would have been absolutely crazy, but there are ways that they could have gotten creative and hid the fact that they were getting married. They could have had a small wedding or something. You know, remember on Chaotic when Brittany showed that she had had the private wedding with Kevin at somebody's house. It was indoors. She invited her family over as if she was having an engagement party and then told them on the spot that it was actually a wedding. You know, the paparazzi didn't really know about that. I think they did take pictures of them when they were coming out of the house, but they would have done that anyway. Like if it was a legit engagement party, the paparazzi still would have wanted to get pictures of Britney. They got pictures of her wherever she was walking out of. So I think if they really wanted to do it, they would have just done it. And I really think that this statement was just PR spin because there had been so many stories about whatever Ben was doing. We'll never know exactly what happened between him and these dancers or other dancers or other women or whatever. But I think also, and I'll get more into this as we go on, there was a lot of media scrutiny. So I think there is a little bit of truth to this. Like I think the media scrutiny was pulling them apart, especially with how poorly Gili had done. But they're not going to say that either, right? They're not going to say due to the fact that our movie failed and we're getting relentlessly, endlessly mocked, it's taken a toll on our relationship. And also Ben's been going out and hanging out with strippers. So we just want to take some time to think about if this is what we really want to do. And it makes sense because Jennifer, I mean, God, she's been married two other times. Can you imagine how embarrassing it would have been? if she married Ben and then six months later they're getting divorced you know what I mean it's like okay enough already like she had to be a little bit more cautious this time around so I think it makes complete sense that they postponed the wedding and you have to remember the whole Gili thing could have gone a totally different way what if they had made a great movie together they could have become like a Hollywood power couple you know, rather than just like a tabloid gimmick or a joke, if Gili had been a masterpiece or even had just been like a good solid movie, the narrative would have been completely flipped. And I imagine that that must have been really, really tough for them to accept because they could have been like Bogey and Bacall, you know, making like good movies together and being known as like legendary Hollywood movie icons. And instead, they turned into a complete joke. And that cannot be easy for anyone, but especially two famous leos with egos i don't think so this this was not gonna work maybe now it'll work like godspeed but <laughs> back then it it just wasn't gonna happen so they did remain together until january 2004 in october 2003 jennifer did an interview and again talked about ben a lot girl why aren't you learning this is not the way to go but she did start talking about the negative aspects of what had been happening. She says that doing the occasional interview is fine and part of the job. But if you're in the paper every damn day, people are like, who cares? And then nobody goes to see your movie. 
She's referring, of course, to the ill-fated Gigli in which she and Affleck co-starred. It's like, why should we? We see her every day. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's the only reason why I'm even doing this. So we made a decision. I'm just not going to talk about any personal stuff. And she's making a great point there. And I think this is why a lot of more serious actors aren't on social media, why they don't engage too much with interviews. Like Leo DiCaprio only does a few interviews every time he has a movie come out. He never does any other type of promotion. He only does appearances if he is doing some kind of environmental benefit or something like that. People like Emma Stone, Jennifer Lawrence, they don't have Instagram. They don't have Twitter. And I think that a lot of people make themselves too visible on social media and it can either make people more interested in you or it can really backfire. This was obviously before social media, but because there was such an oversaturation of Jennifer and Ben in the press, it was like everyone was sick of them and the people like me that were fans that weren't sick of them, it still didn't make me want to go see this movie because, I mean, first of all, I was like a kid, but my mom would have taken me if I really wanted to go. <laughs> she took me to see Crossroads when it came out and she took me to see Spice World when it came out. Like she would always take me to see movies a lot because that's one of our favorite things to do. But I didn't really feel a need to see it because I heard it was so bad and I was just like, I'll eventually catch it on DVD. And I did eventually watch it. I remember the day that I watched it because I was like, oh shit, this movie, you know, is it going to be so bad? And I didn't think it was that horrible. It's not good, but it's not as bad as they made it out to be. So she says she's not going to talk about personal stuff, but then she says, I'm really excited about making more time for my personal life and making decisions that aren't all about me. Just having another person, a family to consider, I am so looking forward to that in my life. I have been for a long time. So they ask if her relationship with Ben is okay, and she says yes, this relationship is the best thing in my life. Then they go on to talk about his night out with these dancers. And she goes, for me, it wasn't an issue. We talk every day. I know what he does. He knows what I do. We don't have those kind of secrets. What they put in the paper is not what happened, so it doesn't matter. But watching that get so blown out of proportion, I was like, wow, this is where we're at. You can't walk into a place and hang out with a couple of friends without turning it into a national scandal. It was ridiculous. She said that she never had the slightest doubt that the report's more salacious details were straight falsehoods, straight lies, as she puts it. Because I knew he had gone, and I knew the story was coming out beforehand. He's like, hey, Hey, the Inquirer is doing a story and I called my lawyer today and I was thinking, oh God, I knew it was going to be a big deal in the press, but I didn't know it was going to be like that, the cover of eight magazines at once. It's like, this can't be that interesting, but I guess it was. We sat there and read the articles together and said, this is just insane. It sounds ridiculous if you read it. It sounds so stupid. It's like, if you're single and 21, you wouldn't even do things like that. It's just crazy. Girl, it's not that crazy. Men cheat all the time and especially rich, famous, hot men that a lot of women want to be with. And if you're a stripper in a strip club and you know that there's a super rich guy, of course you're going to give him extra attention, you know, and get more money. I don't blame those women. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of sad because like she's acknowledging that he did go out to the strip club and she knew about it. But like she didn't know what happened behind those closed doors of the strip club. Like, girl. I don't know. I'm not making a statement either way. I don't know if he cheated or if he didn't cheat or what happened, but clearly there was trouble in paradise because in January 2004, it was officially announced that they broke up. Lopez's rep released the following statement. 
Jennifer Lopez has ended her engagement to Ben Affleck. At this difficult time, we ask that you respect her privacy. And then Ben Affleck's rep replies and says, I am not going to confirm anything about his personal life. We don't want to get dragged into quicksand. Everybody wants a war. It's not happening from our side. Damn, that's kind of accusatory toward Jennifer. Like, oh, you know, Jennifer's side is going to cause the trouble, not ours. Mm, okay. Whose client was the one at the strip club? So, you know, let's just consider that. So, of course, people did a huge article about their breakup, and it's all speculation, so I don't want to get into too much of it because it's just they credit a source, but we don't really know who it is, and they credit witnesses and onlookers and things like that. But it basically says what I've already stated, that she's very clean cut, she lives very cleanly, and they're just different. He likes to party and gamble and stuff and she's bored. She doesn't like to stay out all night. Things like that. One of the sources said, when you love someone, the media circus does not get in the way. You say, okay, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. Jennifer didn't realize it at the moment, but when he called it off, the relationship was over. He got out of the trap and he wasn't going to get back in. He was looking for a graceful way to let it die. So that's a little dramatic, but Ben is a couple years younger than J-Lo and I think because... In general, women mature faster than men, and she seemed more evolved than him. She seemed more comfortable with herself. I think that he was maybe realizing the seriousness of this, and Jennifer's sitting there and saying, like, hey, I'm ready to devote myself to another person and a family and not have it all be about me. And maybe Ben wasn't exactly there at that point, and that's why he started going out and hanging out with strippers because maybe he wanted a reason to get out I mean they're describing this source is describing it as a trap I don't know that's just a theory total speculation as I'm saying one interesting part of the article says that the couple split briefly after the wedding was called off but on September 22nd they were side by side at the Liberty County Courthouse 30 miles southwest of Savannah Georgia near his 83 acre 7.1 million Hampton Island estate they told reporters they were just getting a hunting license but a courthouse source now says lopez and affleck submitted an application for a marriage license they asked the judge to store the application in a locked cabinet under her desk which she did until she got the go-ahead from them to file it Meanwhile, says another source, Affleck asked local authorities to request that the FAA declare a no-fly zone over his property. Police officer Jason Griffin, 33, was one of several people asked to hold October 4th open to provide security for something big. They were going to call me a few days before the 4th to tell me when and where to meet, but the call never came and the license was never filed. The relationship, says their friend, started to deteriorate. So why keep hanging on? Lopez, for one, wanted to save face. She didn't want another failed relationship. The end of the relationship, however, came after Affleck repeatedly refused to bet on marriage. They're using that terminology because, like, they're talking about his gambling. <laughs> they're saying, like, well, he'd bet at the crab table, but not on the marriage. In the past few months, she gave him ultimatums. He never followed through. She finally realized they were never going to get married. The night before Lopez publicly declared an end to their engagement, Affleck played poker at the Commerce Casino outside LA until nearly 4 a.m. He refused to comment on or confirm the split. So they also have a mutual friend as a source. And it's so funny. They're saying what I just said, which is, I think he's more fragile than her. He's still very much a boy. Jennifer, she'll be fine in the end. She's a survivor. 
And no one expects her to be single for long. She loves to be in love, says one Lopez source. If she gets married seven times, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, People Magazine sources are often people that the celebrities approve as sources. Like, celebrities work often with People Magazine because it's considered a legitimate magazine and not as much of a rag like the National Enquirer or something like that. So these sources... I'm guessing that they're Jennifer-approved sources because this article skews more in Jennifer's favor. Whenever you're reading an article like this, look for which celebrity the article favors over the other one, and that's most likely the person who has approved the sources. So, Benifer was over. All right, guys, Benifer was over, and so is this podcast episode for now. I thought that my Benefer series could be two episodes, and frankly, I don't know what I was thinking. It's going to be three, because of course, I'm me, and I had to get into such excruciating detail that we're doing a third part. Now, in the third part, we are going to talk about the release of their second movie together, Jersey Girl, and all of the years in between. They actually talked about each other kind of frequently over the years in the press as they married and had kids with other people. And then, of course, we will get into the epic 2021 reunion. Can you imagine getting back together with somebody 17 years after you broke up? I mean, it's not like it was five years later. It's a whole lifetime later. I mean, there are people in high school that were not even alive the last time that Benifer had sex and now suddenly they're back together. Of course, a lot of people say that they're not really together and the whole thing is a PR stunt. And some people believe it's true love and they're giving it another chance. I don't know if I'm fully decided yet, but I guess I have some time to think it over. So tune in next week when I release Benefer Part 3. And thank you guys so much for listening. I love, 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 love all of you. And I thank you so much for being a part of this fan community. A special thanks to all my patrons. And I will see you guys very, very soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capria Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessica cast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.